Hello, welcome to the Bookcast. It's episode number 161 of the Bookcast. It's a podcast where we talk about Nintendo things. Um, hi, I'm Stephen. I host the Bookcast most of the time. Um, I've got a bunch of friends with me today to talk about Nintendo things. I've got my good friend James. How are you doing? I am grand. <laughs> grand? Well, that, that's wonderful to hear. Yeah. Um, Oh, also, grande, or was it, uh, whatever, yeah. <laughs> uh, we also have Oliver, who you met last episode. Uh, hey, what's going on over in Tasmania land? Uh, well, it's cold, as usual, but... <laughs> and the rest of us the are very jealous. Good, so... <laughs> and hopefully he can hear, hear me and I can hear him. Josh, what's up? Hello, I can indeed hear you. Wonderful, everybody. That's always here. a good sign. <laughs> It is. When you're doing a podcast, we, we want to be able to hear you, your wonderful voice. Yeah, um, the audio probably is the pretty first thing... important when it comes to the... Yeah, pretty important when it comes to this first news piece uh, that's sort of come about over the last couple of days. So, Amiibo Serial, what, what the hell is going on? Can you, can you please tell me what world we're living in? It's my beautiful ideal world where Toys to Life is everywhere. <laughs> well, can it really be Toys to Life if it's a serial? Box to life. Yeah. <laughs> Food Some to kids life. play with boxes. If they can't afford toys, I guess. <laughs> you can it's like a sad tap this yeah. story. <laughs> Pretty dark. You can tap this cereal box on your unfortunate not switch box and pretend that it unlocked a heart in the game that you're playing in your imagination. What I can't wait for is all the um, pictures of people's Amiibo collections on Reddit. There's just going to be these massive <laughs> cereal boxes sitting on the shelves. I refuse to open my cereal box. This has been the cereal's <laughs> been in here for fifty years, and not opening it, it will ruin collecting. How can you value. be new in box when you are the box? Ooh, that's a real good question. Um, so I feel like we should probably mention exactly what's going on. Um, so there was a rumor going around on a cereal blog because that's that's a thing. Um. But yeah, that's a thing, and there's a Super Mario cereal, and it's apparently got Amiibo functionality built into the box, and that rumor was going around yesterday, and now it seems to have been confirmed by the Kellogg's Twitter account, so I guess it's a, a real thing. Um, it's got power-up marshmallows in it, so they'll probably taste like garbage. <laughs> yeah, hopefully yeah, they don't actually pop- taste like mushrooms. Yeah, it's also popped up on um, a bunch of retailers' websites, and it like, seems to be popping up everywhere now. Oh, okay. So, I don't know if that's a result of the rumours going around, but, I mean, it has, like, proper barcode numbers and stuff, so... I wonder if, like, JB and EB would ever stock something like this. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, It'd fit right into the loot <laughs> at EB Games. <laughs> food. <laughs> Just cereal. <laughs> All food must have Toys to Laugh functionality. Yes. Can you buy bowls? Like, you could probably put the cereal into a Pokemon mug, and then you can buy. I've seen Pokemon cereal bowls at EB. So combo you know, deal. So, it's it's um, an idea that's just waiting for someone to do it. There you go. Just pack it in with the Skylanders noodles, and then you've got like a full on <laughs> yeah. poised to life smorgasbord. Exactly. It's like all parts <laughs> of the food pyramid with amiibo. <laughs> we should just open a Toys to Life restaurant. Yeah. Everything is an amiibo. <laughs> Just, like, open one in every capital city of Australia, Amiibo restaurant. That would be amazing. <laughs> um, unless, I don't know that there's really much more to talk about with this one, but it's a bizarre, weird thing, and uh, whoever yeah, I'm put really together the header to image is beautiful. Yeah, oh yeah, I'll put that together. <laughs> oh, 
That was a, a mission and a half. I would not <laughs> suggest Google image searching for Tony the Tiger. At all. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did it for us. He's a sex icon. Truly. <laughs> and now we know it was my, it was Cappy controlling him all along. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm really curious to see what the Amiibo functionality actually is, whether they're going to patch in something new or if it's just going to basically be a sticker that activates a Mario Amiibo or whatever's going on with that. Yeah, that's a good point. Have they, like, found anything? Like, hacked in... You know how, like... like Data mine the box. stuff was found. Yeah, because, yeah. like, if no, there's something the in box, there, you'd think the that it would have... Um, <laughs> it would have um, leaked by now. So, I'm, I'm not yeah, sure if there's true. something that people have just overlooked or if it's going to get patched in or what. I guess maybe if someone saw Mario, they would just overlook that and go, eh, it's Mario, whatever. Yeah, I kind of really hope that it's just like a placeholder Mario amiibo. So yeah. these people go through all the effort <laughs> of scalping these boxes and then it just does something that a common amiibo does. Can you imagine, like, the day these come out, there'll be lines out the front of, like, coals. It'll be so weird. <laughs> yep. Super weird. That's if Australia even gets it. I mean, yeah. it's only confirmed for the US so far. We can hope and pray so that we can eat some power-ups. Um... But yeah, that's clearly all we can say about serial things. Only one other sort of major bit of news that's popped up in the last couple of days, or today as we go to record, um, Ukulele finally has a date for the Switch version, and that date is December 14, so like just over two weeks, probably just under two weeks by the time this gets out. Um, that's Yeah, it's pretty cool. They've got a couple of details about how they've adjusted the game to get it working well on Switch, uh, things like um, working directly apparently with Nintendo and Unity to kind of... Uh, optimize it as well as they could for the platform um and yeah supposedly going to be running in 900p in docked mode 600p in handheld mode which from what i understand um mario and rabbits runs in the same sort of resolution setup and that seems to look nice so yeah it seems like it might work out pretty well yeah i mean like i don't know it, it's obviously one of those very panned games but if it performs as well as they they have showed it off in their trailer at least then i reckon it'll do all right I think, though, like, I think a lot of the updates and stuff apparently have kind of brought it back in line with what it needed to be. I mean, there's still some design issues with it that, you know, I think come, as pu- come with the territory of it being a throwback platformer. Hmm. But, um, yeah, like, it's they've done a good job of putting this out pretty quickly, like, um, considering I, th- I think they, they even said they got their Switch kits really late and the game came out May this year, was it? Let's go with that. Is it this year? Oh, yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, I feel really stupid for not reading up on that. But um, yeah, but it's still pretty... Well, I don't know. I think like they've done a, a pretty well job at getting it all together pretty quickly. Um, and yeah. Yeah, and apparently it comes with all the extra sort of content that all the other versions got post-release. So if they did, you know, help it make it uh, a better game, then it'll be nice. We'll get the good version straight away. I guess that's a bonus. Can I just ask, has anybody here played it? Uh, <laughs> I backed it and I still uh, haven't played it. <laughs> yeah, I played right. the, the toy box, but I haven't touched it since. Uh, R.I.P. Poor Yuka and Laylee. It'll be interesting um, to see how it goes in a post-Mario Odyssey world, like whether people will yeah. ignore it because Odyssey's still happening and whether it'll kind of seem a bit crap after Odyssey. Who knows? Yeah, I thought they would have waited until last year because coming like two months after Odyssey, basically... You're going to be drawing so many comparisons. 
And mm. at the end of the year, I don't know if people are going to be paying that much attention to it or not. But then again, it's reasonably cheap. I, I don't know exactly what the price is going to be, but I don't think, think it's going to be a full retail since it's you know, digital only, so they can probably mm, charge less. You reckon? I don't know. I, I'm sensing at least $50, maybe. Ooh, yeah, that could that could be an issue. That would be enough to put me off buying it immediately, I think. I don't know. Uh, it is worth noting, though, that uh, Wii U backers, people who backed for the Wii U and the Kickstarter, will get the Switch version. Oh, yeah, that's a um, nice a nice bonus, I guess. I mean, it's, I don't know it's if it's a bonus. I think that's kind of delivering the minimum. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a nice yeah. um, getting what you paid your money for, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other ukulele thoughts? Not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's just kind of coming now. Everyone's like, oh, okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah, pretty. Do you much. know what though? Like, I was. I remember when I it came out on Xbox, and I was like, oh, I might get it on Xbox because you know, high definition or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then like. Um, I don't know, and then I was like, oh, it's coming to Switch, I might as well wait, like, it feels more at home on a Switch than, say, on a big console like PS4 or Xbox, but then, now it's happening, and I'm not sure I care, I don't know why, um, I think maybe because the, the reception was so, like, tepid. Yeah, um, yeah, and I kind of agree. Yeah, I'll still give it a go, I don't know, I just, it depends, the prices I think is going to help or hinder this quite a bit, obviously. Yeah, I think Especially it'll largely depend on how much it costs, because, like, if it's, yeah. like, 60 bucks in Australia, then... It's going to be nothing. Even like on the eShop, like I feel like the people who shop on the eShop are probably a little bit more cluey than the random person who walks into a shop during Christmas for a game for their kids or whatever, or grandkids. So yeah. not having a retail release might also hurt this a little bit. Not heaps, but I mean, obviously, I'm, I don't know, that's a plan for later on. Um, but given it's on every other console, I don't think why not. Um, but yeah. I just think eShop shoppers are probably a little bit more cluier mm. to this, so I don't know if it will set the world on fire like they hope it will. Cool. Well, I guess we'll find out come December 14. Um, but yeah, that's pretty well the news for this roughly fortnight-ish. So I'll jump straight into the games because we've been playing a whole pile of games that have come out sort of around and since the PAX episode, which, gosh, was the last one that we did. Um so, I guess we'll start with Doom, which is one that we talked a little bit about during the PAX episode, but now I assume some of us have had a bit more time with it than we had then. I probably yeah, should have checked this I've, ahead I've, of I've time. Yeah, I ended up getting a code for that, and like it's still just so surreal playing Doom on a Nintendo console. It, does it have amiibo functionality, or did you just get a code because they like you. Oh, no, it, it doesn't. Like, I, I just asked for a code for Skyrim so that I could cover that. And then mm. a couple of days later, they're like, oh, just have a code for Doom. And they're like, oh, Wonderful. okay. Thanks, I'm, Bethesda, I guess. Am I going to jail for this? <laughs> <laughs> the police will turn up post-haste. Well, yeah, do you have any sort of further <laughs> thoughts, Doom-wise, now that it's out and you can play a bit more than the show floor demo? I actually got through the demo section, and it was weird because I, d- I don't know what was different, but I... I wasn't too fussed on the demo section when I played it at PAX, but that same section in the actual game was really fun and lively. So I'm not sure if the demo was on a lower difficulty or an earlier build, or I just understood the controls more, but I was having, yeah, much more fun with it than I was at PAX. 
I just feel like there's always this weird disconnect where whenever you play a game at an expo or show, it's not, it's never ever the same as playing it at home mm. on your own console with like non-dirty, sweaty controllers <laughs> or something. Um, like, you know what I mean? I, <laughs> on your I own couch, that's probably with your own speakers. I was kind of shocked phones. when I heard from all you guys that the demo was wasn't like I was like, oh, how was Doom? Because um, I missed that from EB Expo. I got Skyrim instead, but like. And that you got everyone that I spoke to was like, "Oh, it was okay," and I was like, "What? <laughs> like it's Doom?" And yeah, like yeah. it was really weird because everyone was going on about how Doom was this awesome, fast-paced shooter and it was crazy, over the top. But the demo didn't capture that at all. And yeah, yeah like in the I, demo, I don't know there why were just that like was. A few enemies here and there, like it wasn't like packed with demons from the underworld. It was just like, oh yeah, there's a guy off in the distance, I guess. Yeah, right. So yeah, I, which is not what this game is really. Um, Clearly. Yeah. Um, I think, like, per- having played it quite a bit on the Switch, just to, like, you know, in between... The cool thing is that I can actually just play it, you know, in between things, because I can play it wherever I want. Mm. Um, that's great. But, I don't know, I think I do think 30 FPS, like, it's very hard to shake. Like, I know that it's semi-not noticeable, <laughs> but um, as somebody who did, like, you know, top difficulty on Xbox One or PS4... Um, You'd kind of do know. I don't know if you guys feel the same or if you guys played the original like version. Um, I don't know. It just felt like I didn't like thirty frames, and I understand that's obviously the concession they had to make to get this running because it's it's pretty amazing technically when you think about it mm. um, that this is even oh, running yeah, on sure. the Switch. Yeah, sure. yeah, like it's nuts, and that's what's great. Like, yeah, I do kind of I agree kind with of you. Put- like the the thirty FPS, it's not. Like, I figure if you can't play this anywhere else, or if you want to play it handheld, then it's still not going to ruin the experience, but I do think that some of the fluidity of movement and, I don't know, just being able to aim nicely is lost with the frame rate being halved or even less than halved sometimes. It's it's fine, but it could be better, I guess. Yeah, I think yeah, it's an acceptable a concession yeah. for me because of the handheld mode, because that's where I've been playing it the most. Like, yesterday on the bus, I was just taking all my Monday morning grievances out on these demons, getting the chainsaw out and just tearing them up. It's, it's pretty pretty cathartic. <laughs> well, that maybe And that's the other thing, like, the HD rumble is really, really good. Okay. Like, when you've got the chainsaw yeah. out, like, it... Or, when you've got the chainsaw out, it, like, it sort of feels like you're holding a chainsaw. So... Huh. I mean, it, it just reacts like a shooter should with HD rumble. HD Rumble is, like, the most underrated feature in this console. I love it so much. As a whole, like, it's pretty great for most games on Switch, and we'll get into it more, I guess, as we talk about the other games in this podcast. Um, But, yeah, no, you're right. Doom uses it quite well. All the Bethesda games, all these third-party ports are using the stuff really well, which is really good. Yeah, I guess we should use that as a jumping point to jump into the next Bethesda game that apparently uses HD Rumble really well. Um, a bunch of us have been playing oh, yeah. Skyrim. I haven't, but I hear at least some of you have. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yes. We'll tell yeah, you about just... how awesome it is and how much you're missing out. Yeah, nah, I'll be fine. Um, but uh, <laughs> look, let's start um, with James. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Um, well, yeah, look, <laughs> like... I don't know. It's, it's hard because, once again, pretty nuts that you've got the entirety of Skyrim like in your pocket. Like I remember when I don't know if you guys followed this much, but when they were like, "Yeah, Oblivion's coming to PSP," and I was like, "Whoa!" Imagine being able to play Oblivion on PSP. Dude. Like that was like you were like, "Whoa!" And then they cancelled, and you're like, "Oh, the worst." And then um, 
it's just crazy to think that the entirety of Skyrim is also now on the Switch too. Um, but my problem is, is I've played Skyrim so many times now. Um, yeah. I think that, yeah, it just doesn't, like, I, like, I've bought it and I own it, but I just don't know if I'm going to be using it a lot. Like, I just, I guess if I ever want to return to it, it's going to be great to be able to do it on the Switch. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, Skyrim is a great game, and I think the fact that it, they can release it 47,000 times and it still sells quite well each time mm. is testament to how good it is. But I personally have just played it too much, I think. Um, which kind of diminishes the value of the Switch version for me. Yeah, no, that's basically why I haven't yeah. bothered buying it. Um, did you have any thoughts, Oliver? I can't remember if you've been playing the full version. I mean, I... I reviewed it. Didn't so. he review it? Oh, yeah, you yeah. did. Yeah. Well, then. Uh, well, tell us all about Skyrim I on the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's really good. It's it's Skyrim, so it's still the the buggy mess that it's always been. Um, like, right from the get-go, I had, I had bugs, like, in character creation. So, like... Oh, wow. The moment I started, I was like, yep, <laughs> this is still Skyrim. <laughs> this is Skyrim um, as hell. But... I mean, it, it looks as good as Skyrim could ever look on a handheld console, and it doesn't really have performance issues. Yeah, I guess considering um, it ran and reasonably well on 360 and PS3, I can, I, from what I understand, Switch is obviously not a direct comparison, but is roughly as powerful, if not a little bit more than those. So, you know, they've clearly been able to enhance it with all the Definitive Edition stuff that you mentioned uh, last episode as well. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, because it is sort of... A, a downscaled version of the definitive edition like it 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 is much more optimized even if it hasn't fixed any of the bugs and it does it does again just look nice it's an impressive looking game for something that you know came out what six years ago now yeah it would be now at least does it does it have volumetric god rays truly we need to know <laughs> I don't think it does <laughs> <laughs> yeah and yeah, um, on the topic of HD Rumble as well, like yeah, it um, I've never with HD Rumble um because you can do sort of motion picking, uh, motion control stuff with lock picking. Okay. And oh yeah, the lock picking the way is that the that, best thing. Oh yeah, it's it's so much fun. Like I don't use motion controls for anything else but lock picking, um, but the HD Rumble like sort of lets you feel where your pick is. So like I've never broken a single. A single pick because you can sort of feel just that little bit, you know, that little bit of a clunk when you get into the right spot. I remember that being something and someone brought up with One Two Switch. There was a lock picking game, and they said much the same thing. So yeah, maybe... there was a, a safe cracking game there, and yeah, I think it's basically right. using the same principle as that. Truly, the Switch is. Yeah, the... if you hold the controller <laughs> up to your ear, you can actually play it like a safe cracking game because the different rumble when you get to the right spot actually sounds different. So if you, like, hold the controller up to your ear and twist it around like you're cracking your safe, you hear, like, the when you get to the right spot. It's so cool. Truly, HD Rumble is just the definitive feature for safe cracking and lockpicking games everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and it, it works really oh, well man, with the, payday. Um, the combat oh, yeah. as well. Oh, yeah, so how is that? Um, I imagine it's it's still Skyrim combat, but, you know, is there any HD Rumble additions I mean, or motion stuff? Well, there is... There is particularly for magic. Like if if you're holding a sword and shield, like 
and you hit someone who's wearing armor, you feel that sort of vibrate like a piece of metal would when hitting another piece of metal. Okay. But um, magic is the really interesting one because it sort of has this sort of water flowing kind of effect. So when you're holding it and, you know, slinging spells, whatever which way you can, like mm-hmm. you can feel sort of the magic flowing out of your hands and it's just really weird and kind of cool experience. Uh, yeah, you can you can combine that with the motion controls. So you've got the uh, magic rumbling in your hands and you're throwing your hands around to actually control the spells and it just makes you feel much more powerful and engaged than the combat usually does. You can truly feel like a wizard. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the motion controls in, in combat aren't perfect. I understand that they've been fixed in a patch since. Okay. Um, but when I played through it for review, like... I tried to block with my shield, and then I could never unblock until I had to reload a save. So, <laughs> wow, it's not perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's a pretty decent Skyrim, So, yeah, yeah. The motion controls for the combat were really inconsistent for me. Like sometimes they work perfectly, then you get into a really important fight, and half your attacks aren't triggering, or you, your shield gets stuck, and then it's just a mess. And as fun as it would be. I just turned them off because they were too unreliable and it was just causing me too much grief in the end. Well, the cool thing is that you can, like, use the regular controls even if they're, even if motion's still turned on. So, like, you can keep motion on for, like, lockpicking and then still sort of have a fallback for the regular stuff. And you can turn them all off individually as well. Like, you can have um, gesture attacks separately from the other motion controls. So, I've got the motion controls for the attacks turned off because I kept accidentally attacking people when I put my controllers (laughs) down. (laughs) Whoops. But um, I've still got the gyro controls for the arrows and spells and the lockpicking stuff on separately. So, it's good that they gave you that bit of customization there. Cool. Um, so, well, I guess Skyrim on the Nintendo Switch is Skyrim on the Nintendo Switch, by the sounds of things. Um, <laughs> any closing thoughts yeah. on this one? Um, well, not really. No, I think like, that's if, pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, for people who are listening, if you haven't played Skyrim before, do it on the Switch. There's not really much much else to say on it. I think, yeah, it represents, like, tremendous value if you haven't played it before, for sure. Um and then that, just having that portable is amazing, and I just hope people don't... I feel like people might write it off a little bit, because it was. it's kind of the... One of the games that the masses play, you know. Um, <laughs> but it is, it's really solid. Like, it's... it. I mean, it's a little bit overrated, but, you know, really solid game regardless, I think. It's better than Fallout, <laughs> just going to say. Ooh, <laughs> controversy, <laughs> <No>. courting. <laughs> <laughs> um, did we, we didn't talk about, have you guys, because I didn't do any of that, but did any of you guys do the Amiibo stuff at all? Oh, yeah, Josh, come on. Yeah, Amiibo. <laughs> all right, What's I going guess. on with the Amiibo stuff? <laughs> so, basically, you could you get a, an Amiibo power. It's really funny. Like, it's in the magic menu, just listed with everything else. This big Amiibo logo pops up. <laughs> and so, you can activate it. <laughs> To use your amiibo How- power, then you tap an amiibo, um, and if it's a Zelda amiibo, it brings in a Breath of the Wild chest and plays the um, puzzle-solving little jingle. Ah, uh, yep. And then there's a chance of it in- including some of the Zelda items, so you can get the Master Sword, the Champion's Tunic, and the Hylian Shield. I haven't determined yet whether these are scaled towards your level. It sounds like they have set stats, and that's it for the rest of the game. Okay. But you can improve uh, them with um, smithing and stuff. I, I think it's just reskinned uh, elven gear. 
I guess that makes so sense. You can improve it. And, like, because Elven is one of the lower tiers, you can sort of do blacksmithing stuff with it straight away, which is good. Yeah, like, it's, um, yeah, they're, they're at the point where they're good items, but they don't totally break the game if you get them that early. Especially the Champion's Tunic, because it takes up all your armor slots. So, even though it's a really good early bonus, it'll, um, yeah, keep it balanced. Cool. Well, that's the immediate. Um, and, hmm? uh, so there's something else I was about to say. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so you can actually get the items without the amiibo. Uh, yes. if you head up to the top of the throat of the world, which is the biggest mountain in the game, um, mm-hmm. you head up there as part of the storyline and there's a chest there where you can find all the items for you to find. Oh, okay. And that's I think nice. that might actually be easier than using the amiibo. <laughs> yeah. Because- is it like Breath of the Wild where it sort of spawns randomly? Yeah. You've got a 20% chance of getting any of the items. But people have done some data mining and found that the longer you go without finding one, the, the chance will increase. Uh, okay. But um, it took me forever. Like, I was scanning for hours. And because I was recording <laughs> the video, I was um, reverting to an earlier save. So I wasn't getting these chance boosts. So I was scanning for hours and hours oh. and hours. And I probably could have just gone to the top of the mountain <laughs> and just gotten them. <laughs> but other people have spoken, so you got them in, like, their first chest. So I don't know. I guess it's all just down to luck, which I did not have. Damn these loot boxes in real life. <laughs> oh, but it's it's so cool when you finally get these items because <laughs> they act like regular items in the game. So you can do all these crazy violent execution scenes oh, using no. the Master Sword <laughs> and the Hylian Shield. Oh, yeah, it is the like weirdest thing decapitating people. Like, yeah, the first thing I did, like, I like fast travel down the mountain, ran into a pack of wolves and like chopped the head off a wolf using the, the master sword. And I was just like, oh, this is, poor this is so strange. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they sh- were overly open with Nintendo about what these items would do because I did not see <laughs> Nintendo approving this at all. <laughs> Although uh, somebody pointed out on Reddit the other day that, uh, the, uh, the master sword at least doesn't, uh, collect blood like other items do. Oh, okay. yeah, interesting. I noticed that it doesn't break. So I don't know if that's something break? that Nintendo's done. No, there's, there's no break. weapon durability in Skyrim. <laughs> hmm. Just bring that sword into Breath of the Wild, and it'll be a wonderful time. Um, bring it into Fallout, then you can get the awesome weapon durability bonus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, nothing more before we move to the next. Uh, Next video game. I think we've squeezed all of the blood out of this rock. We are like Bethesda. (laughs) Much like Bethesda has with this game. (laughs) Um, So, um, another last-gen re-release, I guess. Um, LA Noir. that's on the Switch. It's another... I haven't haven't played it at all, like, in the previous generation or this one, but I understand, James, you played it a fair bit, like, in the past and on the Switch. Um, What are your thoughts? Um... So, uh, L.A. Noir or Lenore, Lenore, as I like to call it. Even though, that's not definitely not how you pronounce it. Um, I think this is a really weird game. Um, it's a very bizarre kind of like. I just don't feel like they really make games like this as much anymore. Like even to me, the fact that Rockstar made this, not Rabbit made this, sorry, published this, um, this really expensive detective thriller that's like. It's just really bizarre. Like, have you guys played it at all? Nobody? Yeah, I've played a bit of it on the PS3. Yeah. Yeah, I played it um, on PC, but haven't played the new one. 
Yeah, I, I think it's like I think it's a really good game. Like I almost forgot how much I enjoyed it when I first played it. Um, the only thing is, is like it was almost like because Rockstar did it, they I feel like they sat down with you know Team Bondi and were like, so how are we going to make this appeal to the GTA crowd? And then they were like, <laughs> let's ju- let's just put in an open world and oh. stuff and guns. And I was like, okay, cool. I guess like it's it's kind of cool to be able to travel and explore through a, what I assume to be, super authentic version of, I think it's the 40s, um, 1940s LA, um, which is kind of great if you're into movies like, you know, LA Confidential is probably the big one um, mm. that everyone might have seen, um, The Black Dahlia, all that kind of stuff. All those noir um, films. I don't know, like, it just takes, yeah, it takes like a really, like a lot of really good pages from all of those movies and books and all that kind of stuff to create this really interesting kind of thriller drama. Um but the problem with it is, is that like it doesn't really know what it wants to be. Like at times it wants to be like a Grand Theft Auto. At other times it's it's almost like you know an Ace Attorney game without the stupid logic, and <laughs> ridiculous like situations. Um, and then at other times, like like is it just meant to be a museum? I don't know. I just feel like it's really awkward and all over the place. But at the same time that doesn't kind of ruin it as a game. Like, it's still... I still enjoy the stories and stuff and, you know, putting myself through all those crimes and working out who did it and stuff. And even though your choices don't really have a huge consequence, like, in the end, like, if you you think they do at the moment, and that, to me, is really more than what matters. <laughs> um, You know, yeah. you're like, should I arrest this person? Like, did I think they did it? Um, Yeah. Cool. I read as well that they changed the uh, the conversational prompts to be more accurate. Yes, because yeah. like I, I don't like it. The... I don't like the changed version. I like th- well, it depends, I guess, on how you want to view it. Um, <laughs> because in the so in the original game, for anyone who hasn't played it, Cole, the guy you play as, um, you someone would say something, and then you can believe them. You can doubt them, or you can accuse them of lying and show evidence, uh, basically. But the problem with that system is, is that so in one conversation, like Cole can be the most caring, like loving person <laughs> when he's talking to people, and then other times he'll just like flip and like be like, "I fucking hate you," and like threaten to kill them, and like be like, "You're lying." Like it's like it's it's too you know what I mean there's like there's two two extremes where yeah he just totally flips out of these people over nothing and it's hilarious yeah but whereas they've kind of retooled it in this in the Switch and other versions um to be good cop bad cop and accused because then it makes it seem more like that Cole's playing a part of a bad cop rather than just being a psychopath who just starts (laughs) screaming at people for no reason um it's really bizarre. Like, I think it's the first time in a game like this, and I said it in my review, where a really, really small change to something that seems so inconsequential kind of changes the context of the whole game. Um, because to me, like, Oliver, I don't know if you agree or not, but, like, I found the biggest problem with L.A. Noir was that a lot of the characters were unlikable, and a lot of horrible things happened to them, and you don't really care that much because they're all yeah. dickheads. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Like, it's really, yeah, it's really hard to care about these characters, like, um, and it's still, to a certain degree, is like that, um, but I just feel like it characterises Cole, who's, yeah, the main guy, just a little bit more positively than in the previous game. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so I agree from that angle, like, 
it it makes much more sense from a character point of view. Like I get how he's going to act when I choose the new options, but from a gameplay perspective, I don't know which is the one I should be choosing because it sounds like like good cop, yeah. bad cop. It means like I I there's no definitive way of knowing which is the one that I want. But if I'm saying yeah, that's a good doubt, point. I get what that now, means. Like I feel like I'm, I'm just doubting what they're saying. You've just like dismantled my entire review, but fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know I do know what you mean. Um, the game does kind of explain, you know, what each thing means at the beginning. But you are right. I didn't even think of that. Um, yeah. Cool. Now I feel really. Did I ruin everything? Josh, Josh, Josh. <laughs> I'm never coming on this show again. <laughs> oh no! You scared him off. Um, I think. Just quickly, like uh, the 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 big thing with Noir is the the facial animation tech that they used, um, which oh yeah, that I don't was think a big deal. Used since because, but yeah, it was a big deal, and I th- and I understand why it was a big deal, um, because you know you kind of have these almost uncanny valley kind of um, representations of real people, um, but the problem is, like I said in my review, is like I do feel that it's only as strong as the performances, like so. You know, you're meant to think this person's lying because they're looking left to right, shifty-eyed, like that dog from The Simpsons, the evil dog. <laughs> like, and, and you're kind of like, uh, am, are they doing that because they've been told to lie? Do you know what I mean? Like, the, the direction is just not that good, and the acting cannot be that isn't as good as it should be. Um, and in a system that relies so much on performances, like, you're only as good as your best performance, and unfortunately, across the board, it's not amazing. And I, I just think, think again I think it comes is, into the. Oh, sorry. Keep going. I don't know. I just think I and I, I the the thing that's a real shame about this is if Rockstar is gearing up for like a sequel of some sort, um, I don't think that we'll see this system come back because from what I understand, it's a very expensive, um, for little payoff. I think again it comes down to the idea of um the story and the gameplay conflict because. Obviously, like, from a story point of view, someone's not going to be having these massive, massive tells that are, like, comical to the point of it breaking the uh, illusion a bit. But from a gameplay perspective, most people aren't going to pick up on those subtle tells. Like, you could give people a full-on blatant text tutorial and they'll still ask you how the game works. So they've got to be really blatant in how these um, these characters are giving away what you need to know. So it's kind of the gameplay and the story coming into conflict again. Yeah, I guess they can't expect you to be a real actual detective with a psychology degree to know these things. You're just a dude, a person playing a video game. Yeah, I guess, um, like, and just quickly talking about the Switch version, um, there's a lot of really cool things they've added, but that also I don't think are entirely practical. Um, one is, like, when you're playing handheld, you can rotate the screen with your finger, you can tap the screen and Cole will walk over there. Um, and it, to me, that's very, like, you know, adventure gamey. Mm. you know, like, it's very, yeah, it kind of ha- highlights how much, I guess, they think that this game is an adventure game. Um, and then the Joy-Cons can be used for aim- motion aiming, which is quite good. Um, I don't really like the shooting in L.A. Noir without motion <laughs> controls, but with motion controls, I don't particularly think they're any better. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I just hate, I hate the shooting in L.A. Noir altogether. I just think it's a bit... Like, it makes sense, but it's not really doesn't control that well. Um, yeah. 
and the HD Rumble is great because the HD Rumble in this game, um, when you like walk into a like a, a crime scene, it plays this little like kind of noise that like indicates there's How does something it go? to sound. <laughs> I don't want to repeat it. It was a one-off. <laughs> That's going to be my ringtone. Uh, if you, yeah, just rewind. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but that that also has like a weird little like a shot of like rumble up the joy con do you know what I mean like it's a really weird kind of shiver I guess is the best way to describe it huh. and that's really cool too I really like that like I know it's really dumb and it's very superficial but it's a cool thing yeah totally apparently um, it was, as well it's one of those very rare games that uses the IR camera really whoa <laughs> apparently it uses that when you reload oh interesting no, isn't that Resident Evil uh, apparently it's in LA Noir as well that's I did not what I've that, been reading. Now I feel... Right. Well, <laughs> now I'm I never noticed it. that, and the, and I swear the game never told me that. So, um, I have to go. Oh, no, um, but <laughs> um, yeah, no, I never noticed that. That's pretty cool. Um, once again, though, it's I don't know, it's gimmicky stuff that I feel like you would kind of stop doing after a while. But yeah, yeah. like I would never do. I would never do on a train or something. You know, <laughs> um, people would probably think I was loading a gun and tackle me. Yeah, um, this bright but... neon orange gun. Yeah, people think I'm looking around because I'm dodgy, but it's more because I'm self-conscious about moving my Joy-Cons in public. <laughs> um, but, I, but I think, like, at the end of it all, despite LNR definitely has its issues, I think it's still a really good game. Like, I, I don't feel like, you know, that idea of the period piece kind of exists with games as much as it does with movies and stuff. And... LMR is, like, a really good example of that. Yeah, that's a really neat point. Besides, like, Assassin's Creed, but to me, Assassin's Creed is, like, you know, it's kind of, like, pulp fiction. Um, I don't know. LMR just feels, like, really authentic. Like, I feel like I'm in the 40s. I think it's the 40s. I keep forgetting if it's the 40s. Let's hope it is. I think it's the 40s. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's a great, like, feeling-looking kind of game that perfectly evokes the, the mood and the setting it's going for. Um... Yeah. Cool. It's just nuts to think we have this big open world 360 game on a Switch as well. I keep saying this. I've and it's a Rockstar every... game. <laughs> I've said like this for every single video Rockstar game. On... Yeah. yeah it's I know not... it's like such a boring point to bring up, but every single game in this podcast, I've said, how crazy is it that we can play it on the Switch? <laughs> like, when will this be not be a novelty? I don't know. I don't know, like, half the time playing these games, I just keep stopping myself. Like, whoa, this is this is on a Nintendo console, and it's on a portable console. Yeah. I'm playing it on the bus. What, what, what is going on? <laughs> well, um, that's that. Uh, so, one other thing that's less surprising to be on a Nintendo console is Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Um, I understand that Josh has been playing. Oliver, have you been playing as well? Yeah, I'm playing for review. Which should ah. be up by the time this goes up, I think. Coolio. Hopefully. Well, we'll start with you. Um, what are your preliminary thoughts? Obviously, yeah, I've been reviewing. You've got any um, yeah, interesting takeaways so far? Um, I can understand why people wouldn't want to play it after Sun and Moon. Um, and that sounds like a really bad thing. <laughs> um, but I mean, uh, like... No, I think it's fine. <laughs> yeah, Sun and Moon were just such a weird gen. Yeah, it was it was probably the biggest departure that the games have had. But in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, I mean, the first half of the game is is pretty much the same as as Sun and Moon. Um, oh, okay. There are a lot of smaller things, and they, they've done a lot of really like fantastic world building things that are really fantastic. 
I've just said fantastic twice, but um, that's fantastic, fantastic, I, ultra I mean, fantastic. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the, the, just yeah, small things like um, you know, you'll find someone out in the wild who's who's looking for their Pokemon, and you'll have to go hunt them down, or you'll find like just somebody else's Pokemon that's out of their their Pokeball, and you'll be able to interact with it and play little games and. It just creates sort of a, a feeling that, you know, it's an actual alive world, which hasn't really happened in a Pokemon game before, because, I mean, it, they've just not done it. Yeah. Uh, but once you get into the second true. half of the game, um, it, it as the third versions, as they're called, usually do, it just it sort of crashes off a cliff and is wildly different. And I mean that crashing off a cliff a good thing, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it's absolutely a good thing. It's just uh, it's such a rapid departure, which is where that metaphor comes in. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's yeah, it's really good. The story is incredible and just so much better than Sun and Moon. Like you actually feel invested. Uh, the difficulty is insane. Okay. Um, so- so it's not a the, first the Pokemon big... game, I guess. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, the, the big, like, legendary battle that you do um, is so difficult that I transferred over, like, uh, I think it was, like, three legendaries from Sun and Moon that were all, like, pretty high-leveled <laughs> and still got my ass handed to me. Wow. Um, because it's it's just absurdly strong. Um, and, yeah, the the other thing is that the music is just absolutely amazing um obviously there's uh there's a lot of new content in rainbow rocket stuff where uh previous evil bosses have come back to sort of mess up your day and they've done these just beautiful remixes of all of the old battle themes and it's just it's it's amazing i can't really say much more than that that's yep. the part that like get that gets me in, like the nostalgia pandering. Yeah, like <laughs> I'm like, oh yes, and then I'm like, no, <laughs> and then I picked up a box the other day, and there was a little, there's like a little box on the end, back of the box that's like, this is Pokemon, this is just like Pokemon Sun and Moon, but with new story elements, like trying to convince me that it was a new game, and I was like, mm, I'm gonna wait, but yeah, it's different. It's the, believe me, guys. Yeah, yeah literally. <laughs> well, did you have? Yeah, any I thought? do want to play yeah. it. But oh, I have nothing to add because I haven't played it. But I do. I would like to give it a go. Um, I really liked where the story went in Sun and Moon. I don't know if I'm in the minority there. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, but I like yeah. the story, just not the way it was presented. Yeah, and and they've sort of improved that in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. But there's still some issues with pacing, which sucks basically. Cool. Well, I guess it seems like if you didn't get enough Pokemon from Sun and Moon, then this is more and more difficult Pokemon. So I guess at least they're going for the, I hate to use the term, but the hardcore Pokemon audience, I guess, the people that really want more of a challenge out of Pokemon, they're going to get it here, which is nice. Yeah, I would consider like Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon like the new game plus. Like it's a bit more difficult. There's a lot more to do. Um, but it's 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 still at its core the same game. Cool. Yeah, that's a pretty neat way to think about it. Yeah, it seems to me like it's more like a refinement of Sun and Moon than an actual substantial new thing. Because one of the things that stood out for me for Sun and Moon was, even though I enjoyed them, there was just something about them that felt 
unfinished and unpolished. Like, they didn't have that same degree of finesse that the other Pokemon games have had. So these ones coming out less than a year after was really rubbing me the wrong way because it felt more like they were just charging you to basically finish and polish up the game a little rather than offering something really new as its own thing. And now that we're in the era with DLC and patches, the whole third version model doesn't really sit with me. Like, I'd be happy to spend, I don't know, about $30 or so on an ultra upgrade that sort of... Sort of like a definitive edition DLC, I guess, like some games have gotten. But paying a whole $60 for a refinement? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can under- I, yeah, I can understand that. It's just like, I, I would struggle to see how Game Freak as a company would do something like that when they want to make like big sweeping changes to the story in the third versions. And I think that comes down to just how Game Freak is managed rather than any inherent problems um but yeah it's it's it is getting a bit tired um when they could just do so much better things with DLC yes i agree that's all i have to I add i think like my only thing with that is is um i wonder if the audience the younger like the younger audience especially which i would assume is a majority of the fans of Poke. That no wait, this is coming out wrong. Let me let me rephrase. Back <laughs> it up. No. Pokemon's uh, for grown ups, James. No, Pokemon is for grown ups. I played Sun and Moon to completion, trust me. Yeah. No. <laughs> what I'm saying is is like I don't know, I think they just like another retail release is kind of what people would expect um from this kind of thing. I know that doesn't mean that we should not change it. And I feel like I would have loved if this was like DLC or something for Sun and Moon, but um, I guess Nintendo and the Pokemon company know their market, and they know that if they sell this at sixty dollars again, people will buy it. Like I think it was. Oh yeah, that for week. sure. <laughs> Didn't it beat Star Wars? Like Star no, Wars it came close, but um, oh, okay. Quite oh, that's it. right. Yeah, it was pretty close though. Still, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I would. I agree that there needs to be a bit of a shake up now. Um. Like I said um, to Oliver before, like, you know, even if it is a huge change or, like, it goes, like, you know, goes off the cliff <laughs> um, at the end or whatever, towards the end, like, I, the way that it's marketed and stuff, I'm at that point now where it, they don't, haven't convinced me that it's new, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I get um, you. I feel you. And that's, like, you know, and I, I, I've kind of felt like now I'm in this cycle where I was like, oh, my God, X and Y, the first time it's 3D. Whoa, like, it's going to be so, like, new and shit. And then it kind of was, but it wasn't. And then, like, Sun and Moon came out, and I kind of went through that process again. I was like, wow, it's like new area, new Pokemon, new forms. And now, like, I'm kind of at that point now again where, I don't know, I just don't feel it anymore. Yeah, I'm kind of at the point where I'm not feeling super hopeful for the future of it, I guess. Like, I don't know, it's just at a point where... It doesn't have the spark. It feels like I'm getting a bit bitter, I guess, about the way that they handle the franchise. Like, some franchises have come so far in the way that they're handled, like, the way they're presented, the way they keep up with technology. But Pokemon, it might be because Game Freak's a smaller studio or something, but it feels like they haven't really handled the transition with the new technology well. I mean, like, in the end, it's it's Pokemon, so it's going to sell shitloads and yeah. they're going to make tons of money. Um, 
Oh, yeah. It, it would be nice to see them do something just sort of really different and sort of updated for the Switch whenever that comes out. Yeah, I guess the Switch is enough of a technological difference that they kind of can't do the same thing again. Like the 3DS ones had the, well, you've got 360-degree movement and also it's in 3D, but you're still pretty well the same game with slightly more fluid movement. But I feel like that wouldn't really fly on the Switch. Honestly, if they just give me camera control, I'll be happy because I'm Hmm. just so over the fixed perspective 3D that Pokemon has had. Yeah, the camera control would open up so many opportunities for um, level design and the dungeons and making the world feel so much more open and alive. Because there's so many routes and um, sort of areas in Sun and Moon where it feels really restricted because of the camera view. They can only do so much and they start to feel really linear after a while. But being able to open it up, you can see everywhere, it opens up way more options for the design of the, um, the levels. Yeah, and it is a lot more work, but I think it's the kind of work that pays off really, really well. And I mean, they can afford it. <laughs> they they make so much, and it's going to sell regardless, so uh, they can afford to take a few risks, regardless of whether they really need to or not. Please. Um, yeah. I think you were, <laughs> yes, you were trying to say something before, James. Did you have anything to add before we finish the Pokemon chat? I don't think I did, to be honest. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's all right then. Um, sorry. Does anyone else I have any more like to add? Pokemon. Oh, no, all I was saying, sorry, was I just hope they don't do the same shit over with the Switch. Mm, yeah, we can hope. Like two versions, another adventure. Yeah, for the first time in a while, I feel like I could really easily wait for the third version. Like, see, the fact that that thinking even exists to me is a problem. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Like, I just, yeah. I think that they need to shake it up a little bit. If they come out with uh, two eighty-dollar games on the Switch, and ex- then it, oh yeah, the, uh, you can't do that. You can't do that with console games. Like, it's kind of acceptable, I guess, with the handhelds because they're not quite as expensive. But if you're gonna split the whole game into three parts again. Each of them around seventy or eighty dollars, and they're all full console games. Yeah, nah. I mean, like, I'm I'm all for the them splitting into two if they do like substantial work to, to you know, make it different enough. But yeah, I mean, at this point, but they want no, <laughs> yeah, that, for sure. Like, I don't mind them reusing assets, but like black black and white to black and white two, they reused a lot. Yet they felt like full on, totally different games to each other. So if they take that approach where they make one cool Pokemon game, then come out with some sort of sequel or just something set in the same world, like, I'm fine with that. They can do that. That's cool. Cool. Well, uh, I think that's pretty much all we have to say. (laughs) That's Pokemon. (laughs) And with that awkward silence, I guess we'll finish off this wonderful episode of the Bookcast. Um, So we'll talk about what's coming up. Um, Next episode, I'll probably talk a little bit more about games because I've been... Doing, I've basically been going to work, sleeping, and playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2 for the last week and a half, so I'll have some more things to say about that when I'm allowed to say things about it. Um, and yeah, I've been working on a review for that as well, so look forward to that. Um, you had a couple of things you were working on, Oliver. What's, uh, what's going on for you? I, I'm basically just doing lots of reviews. <laughs> um, there were a couple that like sort of hit before packs that sort of weren't as high a priority. Yeah. Um, not that they're bad games, they're just either really, really long games or 
you know, some of the smaller games that people are interested in, but not enough to, to make sure that the review's there, you know, on launch day. Mm. Yeah, um, no, that's fair. So I think uh, there's probably going to be quite a few reviews coming over December of those sort of, sorts of games. Um, yeah, just because sort of catching you know, up. Yeah, November is a big month, and there's a lot of games that are released. So now we have time to explore some of the, the smaller things that, you know, went unnoticed. Yeah, totally. Um, what about you, Josh? Got anything on the on the go in the oven? Yeah, um, so I've got a review coming soon for New Style Boutique 3 for the 3DS. That was... Uh, it doesn't, I enjoyed that more than I was expecting. It's not the kind of game I'd go for normally, but that was cool. Um, yeah. I'm getting around to... <laughs> what? Cool. Um, oh, but I've um, yeah, mostly oh, got um, keep going. Binding <laughs> of Isaac on the... Sorry. Yeah, everyone started talking at once. I'm like, what's going on now? But I've also got um, the Switch version of Binding of Isaac that um, I'm finally getting around to as well. We got sent a physical copy of that, which was pretty cool. It's got all the stickers and everything. So, um, yeah, I'm getting into that. Um, and I think that is pretty much it for me. Cool. I'd um, completely forgotten that Binding of Isaac was a thing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's <laughs> been a journey to get here. Um, I can't. Yeah. Do you have anything on the go, James, or just wonderful your voice? I am on currently podcasts? unemployed <laughs> when it comes to reviews. Wonderful. Yeah, I was kind of gonna. Bludger. I might try and whip something up for Resident Evil Revelations, but I can't stand the first one, and I just played really? the second one recently, so. Yeah, um, but we'll see where life and fate takes us on this road. That is life. Yeah. What happens when that's there's deep, only one man. set of footprints? That's that. um, that you follow them. That's <laughs> when you weren't playing co-op mode. Yes. Um, well, um, so yeah, we'll probably finish up there. If you want to have a look at the website, we're all on vooks.net, uh, V-O-O-K-S, like books, but with a V. Um, we've got YouTubes, we've got Instagrams, we've got all the, the social bits and pieces uh, at V-O-O-K-S. We've got LinkedIn. Do we have a LinkedIn? I know I do. I'm not sure, actually. It's not very interesting. Also the Discord as well. Oh, yes, yeah. Join the Discord. Do the do the talks. Um, yeah, uh, that's yeah. Big... We should have some. We're looking at ways to to have more community interaction with games nights and stuff. So that's if you want to be sort of involved in that, join because we're going to be looking for opinions very soon. Cool beans. Um, so we'll finish off by everyone. We'll go around the. It's not even a real table this time, um, but we'll go around the table. Uh, let everyone know our socials. Um, so Oliver. Where are you on the internet? I am at Chocobalt on Twitter, C-H-O-C-O-B-A-L-T. Cool. Josh? I am Mario Bones on Twitter, Mario underscore underscore Bones, two underscores because some jerk is squatting on the one underscore variant. I'll never let that go. <laughs> <laughs> and James? Yes, um, at Jams. So it's A-T-J-A-M-Z. Cool. Um, and I am at, at, at Jams. I am yeah. uh, at Stephen Ibsen um, on all the bits. So, yeah, follow us all. We all have opinions of varying quality, I guess. Hopefully they're mostly good. <laughs> and really bad <laughs> jokes. Lots yeah. and lots of bad jokes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, otherwise, thank you all very much for listening. We're very happy that you choose to spend, gosh, how long did this episode go? To spend roughly an hour listening to our voices, it's it's an honour to be in your ears. Um, but yeah, hope you have a good time until the next episode. Uh, 
see you later, alligator. Cheerio. Bye. See ya. Oh, no one said in a while, crocodile, and I'm disappointed. <laughs> I don't say that. Oh, okay.